Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's podcast, we talk with Oklahoma State champion head coach Keith Riggs and focus on some of the things that as coaches maybe we take for granted or we were really forced to look at in a crazy year and in controlling what we can control. And to discuss some of those things, to discuss his championship with us is Coach Riggs. Coach, great to have you back here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Keith. Appreciate it. Coach, a state championship in any year is a huge accomplishment. This is your eighth now as part of the Jenks staff. First as the head coach, you had been there uh, the previous two years in the finals and, and uh, were not able to get to the pinnacle, but that happened this year. How special is it, especially in 2020? Well, as you mentioned, any state championship is special. Um, it's so hard to win a state championship teams and programs that have won several in a row, you know, it starts to kind of look easy on the outside, but it's so difficult. And, um, especially, uh, in the face of a pandemic this year and all that we had to go through, uh, in addition to a normal season, uh, really made it special. Coach, I want to dig into some of the things that, uh, you really took away from this season. Before we do that, we've had you on the podcast before, but our focus was more on the, the rivalry between Jenks and Union. The, the I think you guys call it the Backyard Brawl. Is that right? The Backyard Brawl, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we focused on that one. We, we had you and, and Coach uh, Frederick on, and we'll, we'll uh, put that link here in the show notes. Just a great rivalry. Um, but I want to dig into your background a little bit. I mean, obviously, Jenks is a storied program with multiple state championships, um, you know, and, and a lot of that was under the the late uh, legendary coach, Alan Trimble. But talk to us about your starting in coaching, um, you know, really those lessons that you learned early on that have been able to propel you to the position you're in right now to be able to take over a program like this. Well, I got my start in a kind of a non-traditional way. I, I was a uh, I was in technology in the business world for about 17 years before I got into coaching. It, it's it's a long story, but all just the short version is um, 
Coach Trumbull allowed me to join his staff as an adjunct coach in 2003 and help with the defensive side and fell in love with it. You know, that I love the game of football, but, but I, even more, I love being around these kids, uh, helping kids grow up, uh, become young men. And, you know, over the years, Coach Trimble and so many coaches would tell you the same thing. He was such a great mentor and friend. I learned so much, uh, not just about football from Coach Trimble, but, but about life, um, how you respond to adversity, how you deal with success. Um, nobody more successful um, in Oklahoma high school football than Coach Trimble, yet he was one of the most humble men I know. And uh, so many wonderful lessons. Uh, from him and such a great coaching tree. He's got uh, a number of coaches with state championships um, that have gone on um, as from his assistant coaches to head coaches. And I know for you in, in talking with you back when you first got the job, such an honor to be able to, to step into that role, but uh, some really big shoes to fill as well. What was your approach in taking over the program and, um, you know, you've already are, I think, performing as as expected there, being able to get the team to the state finals three times in a row, win one here in 2020. But uh, what was your approach in stepping to a program like this where, you know, you did have Coach Trimble uh, leading the program for a long time and, and uh, legendary, not just in Oklahoma. I think everybody around the country knows knows Coach Trimble. So, that's a that's a big position to step into. What was your approach? Well, I I think you know I had a lot of people you know mention the uh, oh it's big shoes to fill you know or you don't want to follow a legend or, uh, those sort of things. But uh, for me, I really didn't look at it that way. And I think part of the reason is we just we were so close. We had a, such a great friendship. And for me, it was more about um, continuing his legacy continuing and building on the things that he put in place here it's so difficult i think to to develop a culture the right culture in a program and i didn't have to do that here i just had to keep things going in the right direction and from that aspect it made it easier you know all the right things were in place um when i took over this program it wasn't like i had to rebuild or or change the culture or you know uh, great support from administration, from our parents, from our community. Um, our kids are committed um, and believe in what we're doing. So all those things were in place. Um, you know, I just had to to find a way to keep that going and and um, both honor and continue Coach Trimble's legacy. You were a part of building that culture over the years, so. Um... You certainly have the understanding of it. But now as the head coach, when you look at it, and especially, you know, I'm sure people want to know about what is the culture at Jenks. Uh, what what are the keys to that successful culture as you take a look at it now, especially sitting in the in the seat you do being the head coach? Well, I, I think um, if you had to pick just there, – there's so many facets that go into, you know, culture – um, and sometimes that's an overused word, but ultimately it's, it's beliefs that drive action, you know, and it's not my beliefs. It's got to be, 
everybody in the program, their beliefs that drive the actions. And I think the overriding factor of it all is, you know, if, if everybody in your program will make decisions based on what's best for the program, what can I do to help the program? Then a lot of things take care of itself. And so, you know, we stress, you know, every, every person in our program, coaches, players, managers, trainers, they all add value to our program. And if they all look at it that way and they all understand the value they add and, and make decisions based on what is best for the program, you're going to have a chance to be really good. Coach, I had Eric Kasparovich on from Pine Richland in, in PA who just won his second state championship. And as he looked at, back at this season, you know, what he realized was some of the uh, you know, restrictions in place, you know, and, and it might be different for you and your state, but as an example, you know, they didn't practice their JV team with their varsity team. Their freshman team was separate. They didn't actually go into their, their locker room. They weren't allowed in theirs. And he looked back on it and said, wow, there's a lot of challenges. We have that, you know, things where we were building our culture. Uh, some of those things just weren't in place this year. And, you know, so this year was great, but we got to look at it for the future. So, whether that's something like that or um, just other challenges you've seen along the way here in 2020, um, what's the approach to continuing to build that strong culture moving forward, especially with maybe some of those obstacles that have been in place and and truthfully might continue to be put in place here um, as, as we're still in the pandemic? Yeah, there certainly were some additional challenges. Um, from X's and O's all the way to building and developing culture within your program this year. Uh, you know, a great example for us early on is, you know, in the summer when we were finally allowed to start working out in the weight room with our kids, we had to do it in shifts. So um, a lot of our young guys weren't able to be around um, our older senior leader veteran guys to help learn those things and understand those things. And, so uh, the progress that, that comes along with that, um, the development of your young guys, you know, maybe was a little slower this year because of the challenges involved. You know, we were allowed to use our, our locker room, but we were, you know, it was in and out, you know, where typically the kids are hanging out, they get there early and, you know, they, you have to push them out of the locker room at the end of the day. And now it was, you go in, you change, you get out. And so a lot of challenges there, but I think it, you know, in the long term, and like you mentioned, we're not, we're not done with the pandemic yet. There's still some challenges involved that'll come through off season and and possibly even into the spring and summer. You do have to find ways uh, to develop that culture within your young players. And um, it's so important that much of that, comes from your your other players, your your older players that um, understand it, have lived it, know the importance of it, because it's a lot more valuable, I think, when your your players are teaching um, and instilling your culture versus your coaches just doing it. As you look at this next off season, which is is probably if if you haven't begun it already, you're set to start here sometime in the next thirty days or so. Uh, again, some of those restrictions still in, in place. I know that um, 
the start of it is new, right? We we all had the opportunity last year to kick off our off season and to start building that next team and and developing the leaders on that team, etc. This is kind of un, uncharted waters again for coaches as you have to start an off season with some of those restrictions in place, most likely. Any thoughts on on the approach and maybe some things that uh, you think are important in general for coaches to do as they kick off this this off season again under some new circumstances? Well, still a lot of challenges ahead of us, definitely. Um, you know, we're we're looking um, because we do a a great number of team building type activities, whether they're service projects, uh, bringing in guest speakers, alumni to speak about the past and the culture, you know, we're going to have to break those down into smaller groups. Uh, we still want to achieve the same things that we, we, we got out of those activities, but we're going to have to look for ways to, to break them down into smaller groups so we can get the same results without large groups being together. You know, the, the weight room things and the, the conditioning and work things, I think, having been through last summer, all the things we had to do, I, I think that will be a relatively easy transition. We've kind of been through it once. You know, how do you split up your, your guys to maximize your weight room work? Um, get everybody through it, but minimize the number of players that are gathered at a time, all those things, at least we've now kind of been through uh, with the summer and fall. Coach, I know when you look back at this season, one of the things you mentioned to me that was something that the the coaches really had to live up to was uh, the idea of focusing on what you can control. We always talk about that as coaches. We always preach that. But you felt this year more than any, that was something you were really tested on you and the staff. Uh, talk to us about that and you know what was was the approach for you guys in, in being able to be that model of focusing on what you can control? Well, yeah, that was so important this year. You know, uh, as long as I've been here at Jinx, we, we have, have preached that to our kids. You know, there's so many things they don't control. Focus on the things you can control. Uh, but as coaches this year, there were so many more things that we had no control over, you know, having to minimize um, our, the size of our groups for weight room activities, for film sessions, not having the guys in the locker room very much, you know, in and out, just change of clothes, sanitizing, you know, before every event in the middle of, you know, every event. But then during the season, just uh, you never knew what your roster was going to look like. Um, and, you know, there were times where, you know, we were missing 20 or 30 kids off of our roster because of uh, quarantines. And, you, you know, you don't have any control over who's going to be there um, and who's not. And so as coaches, you have to be great role models of what it looks like to focus on things you can control. You can't control if you've lost two linemen for this week, this week's game. Um, what you can control is how you prepare. And I was really proud of our coaches, how they handled all that, especially as, you know, things change from week to week between our roster, whether we, you know, we missed two games because of COVID, 
but I was really proud of our coaches and how they how they handled that. Looking at this this past season, um, again forced to do things way differently than before. You know whether it's meeting times where, as you said, you know, and you guys have an incredible football building. I, I've been in it before. You know, that's definitely a place to to have the kids hanging out, to build that camaraderie, to, to continue to build those bonds. So guys in and out of there, um, you know, as you look at some takeaways from this season, is there anything that you really felt, wow, this is, you know, never thought of doing things this way, but maybe we'll continue to do some of this as we move forward. Anything strike you as, as uh, useful and uh, new that might help you guys in the way you teach the game moving forward? There's probably several things I would say, um, and, and not all of them are related to X's and O's, but uh, our, our small meeting groups, being forced to always be in small meeting groups because we just didn't have, you know, we have one large room for, for film and you can't get everybody in there given our current, you know, social distancing restrictions. But I think that really, um, in some ways it helped our young guys. It allowed us to get a little more one-on-one with them when we were watching film with them. So I think we'll continue to do that. Maybe not every film session. I think we, they all need to hear the same things uh, sometimes in a large group, but, uh, but we probably do need to have, more small group film sessions and really get down on closer to a one-on-one level. Um, you know, our, our school was kind of back and forth between distance learning and in-person learning. Um, we had some players that opted to do um, all virtual classes. Um, they all had those options and that created some real challenges for us academically. Uh, not everybody handles you know, uh, the lack of structure that, that comes with distance learning. Some kids thrive in it, some don't. And one of the things that we implemented this year that I thought worked really well that we'll probably continue to do uh, down the road academically is is um, each coach was an academic advisor to, um, you know, anywhere from six to ten kids on our roster. And so um, – any grades that fell below A's and B's, um, we had up to three meetings with that player. Uh, they were very short meetings. They were just to touch base. Hey, where are we at? What assignments do you have due? Um, are you going to get them turned in on time? So then the next day, did you turn them in on time? Um, just as a to help follow up and, and give some focus so they don't lose sight of them, go home and forget about school because, you know, I didn't have to go to school this day. And um, I thought that helped our kids, especially those, like I said, that that maybe don't thrive in an in an unstructured environment. You said when you look back at the season that um, it was a total team effort. You know, even statistically looking at it, uh, you know, got different guys stepping up each week, whether it was on offense or defense. Uh, you know, the, the guys playing for. Um, your defensive coordinator, Adam Gaylor, um, who, who we had on the, the podcast before. Uh, but on the field, um, how did, I guess, the approach you were fo- forced to take here? And, and, you know, you're talking about, you know, attention in small groups and things a little bit different this year. How did that play into, I guess, that total team effort on the field? Well, I, I think uh, 
because of the kind of the revolving door with our roster, um, with young men that got, you know, close contact quarantined, just, just living the, Hey, you know, the next man up, um, is going to step in and, and perform and, uh, didn't matter which position, didn't matter whether it was a senior or a sophomore. Um, we had to have some guys come in and, um, and play that maybe in a normal year wouldn't have stepped on the field. Um, and so, um, preparing for that, trying to within your practices, structure practices. So that next guy up's ready to go if, and when it happens, I think was another key factor for us, um, because we had, um, and you know you always have injuries. Those are those are common every year. But when you when you pile on your normal injuries with ten, fifteen, twenty kids that are that are close contact quarantine and sitting at home waiting for their days to be up, you've got to have a team approach where whoever it is, regardless, you know, is going to step in and and do his job from week to week. Coach, what was the approach with those those players who weren't able to play? Um... You know, I'm sure, especially if that kid's a senior, uh, and he's got a, he's forced to sit out um, because of you know maybe he's tested positive, whether he actually had a ton of symptoms or not. How did you guys handle you know those guys and I guess f- simple things like keeping their spirits up because I'm sure they feel you know felt that they were letting the team down, but uh, I guess keeping those guys involved and focused because at some point they were probably going to come back and contribute. Yeah, real challenge, and you hit it on the head. Just just keeping them keeping their spirits up. Um, Ten to fourteen days—that's a long time to just be at home, not doing. You know, when you're used to playing football and practicing every day and having a busy schedule day to day, that's a long time to sit at home. And so, just keeping in regular communication with them. Again, checking on their academic progress. It was an easy thing to to contact them. Hey, how's it going? Our guys do a great job, um, and it was really important this year of watching film on their own through huddle. So, you know, we had a few guys that got quarantined uh, more than once. So, you know, uh, some of them were out, you know, 20-some days over the course of the whole season. But I, I think the key more than anything is just regular communication with them while they're while they're going through that. Coach, when you look at the importance of the season to your community as a whole, you know, number one, being able to to get the season in. I, I know, you know, thinking back to July here and and my son being a senior uh, in our town and the way we feel about football too. Um, every week just felt like a blessing, but, you know, looking back on it, I think it was something that was really needed here. What was the feeling in your community about being able to play this season? And then obviously um, being able to take it all the way to a state championship. How important is, is football, I guess, to not just your community, but everyone as a whole? Well, uh, we're, you know, football is really important to our community and I would say to our state, you know, um, and I think it, it uh, as unprecedented and um, with very little normalcy, you know, we've had in 2020, uh, that moment between the lines for that, you know, three hours 
um, kind of felt normal. Um, I know it did for me. It, it was the one time I kind of didn't have to worry so much about COVID. I mean, we still had, you know, things we had to do on the sideline and so forth, but I think it brought a sense of normalcy to our team, our school, um, our community, and also our state being able to make it through the season. Because like you mentioned, you know, there were times in the summer that we just weren't really sure if we were even going to get to play. So quite a blessing for all of us uh, to be able to make it through the season and certainly to come home with the with the gold ball. Coach, I know you guys do a lot of great things over there at Jenks and, and you know, as, as you being part of that staff for eight state championships, you guys certainly uh, know how to be successful. But for you, you look at all the things you do as a coach. What, what would be the one thing you really point to that gives your team the winning edge? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know, that's hard to say. I have great coaches on my staff. I think it starts there uh, because as a head coach, in, especially in a big program, but I think probably any program, you can't do it all alone. Um, you, you can't um, install an offense, install a defense, install special teams, develop your leaders and develop your culture. Um, you can't do all those things by yourself. And I think it, you know, it's, it starts there. Um, you got to have a great coaching staff. Coach Calabrese on the offensive side does an outstanding job for us. Coach Gaylor on the defensive side as well. And they've got, they will tell you, they've got great guys that work for them as well. So I guess probably, you know, having good coaches and then serving them and our kids, finding ways to help them be the best coaches they can be, finding ways to help our players reach their potential, um, help them go beyond what they believe their limits are, um, the X's and O's part is pretty easy, really, when it all comes down to it. It's it's those other things that are the real hard part. Coach, for our listeners, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I'm not really a social media guy. Um, I have some accounts just to kind of keep up with things, but um, I don't know. Email probably is the easiest way. Keith.riggs at jinxps.org. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Again, congratulations to you and the Jenks Trojans on a, an incredible year here, and thank you for all you do uh, to keep this game strong. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.